Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Hi and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm your co-host, Jeannie Rice, along with Dr. Tim Hayes, and we welcome you to the show. Our apologies for being late. Time just slipped by. We're packing and doing stuff, and it's like, ah, it's time. (laughs) So we apologize for being about three minutes late getting on here. Um, Today is Wednesday, November the 4th, 2015, and our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and your questions because that makes this your show. And Michael is not quite with us yet, so let me welcome Dr. Tim. How are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. Hopefully Michael is well. I'm, yes, um, we are doing doing great, just uh Packing everything we originally intended on being on the road in the morning, but it looks like another day or two. But we're getting there. Well, I'm doing well. We are. Um, we're here, of course, to talk about traveling and packing and how that can trigger some people to upset, and they think it's all about the packing, but it's really all about what they took into the situation to start packing with. <laughs> I think that. We- Say again? I said I did do some uh, uh, wake-up sheets on it, and uh, it's. Uh, I think we triggered into it towards the end of our conversation when we were talking about the value and, and not feeling, you know, worthy to go or worthy to have space or whatever, being disregarded. So tapped into to some deep stuff there, and it was awesome. And for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about on wake-up sheets, why again? Jeannie, you're breaking up. Oh, okay. Well, let me see if I can move to a different location. You want to take the intro there then? All right. Jeannie was giving the website, which is www.whyagain.org. And on that website, if you click on the link on the home page that has a red and white bullseye or the link that says start here, it'll take you to a page that could change your life. It has content on that page 
that holds the key to tools that you can use to improve the quality of your life, your health, and your relationships. If you click on the link, you can download Chapter 24 of Dr. Rice's book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again?, in which he describes the reality management worksheet, which contains the ancient Aramaic process of forgiveness. And forgiveness in this work is going inside myself and removing what doesn't belong inside me. Forgiveness in this work is pretty much the opposite of what our culture, the Western culture anyway, teaches people about forgiveness. The Western culture teaches me that I'm looking out through my eyes and I'm watching what's happening outside in the world, and when I see somebody do something that I know is wrong, I have every right to attack them or to be angry at them or to feel fear about them, and that I'm right and they're wrong every time I have a negative emotion, that tells me that I'm right and the world outside me or the people outside me are wrong. And this work is based on the ancient Aramaic understanding that when I look out through my eyes, I'm actually not seeing the world. I'm seeing pictures that my mind makes up based on the goals I have loaded and the perception that those goals generate or drive. And any time I feel a negative emotion, that's my alarm system going off telling me, Tim, you have either chosen the wrong things to look at or you're rearranging them the wrong way. And so you have created a hallucination that someone or something outside of you is causing your upset. And unless you stop and restore yourself to your awareness of your true nature as the energy of love and creation and restore yourself to calm and acceptance and surrender, you'll probably just create more pain for yourself. And that's okay, Tim, because I'll be here to sound the alarm of your pain. The tool of forgiveness lets me know, once I understand how the system works, that my alarms have gone off because I'm in anger or fear or sadness or hurt or confusion or shame or guilt or blame or condemnation, any kind of tension or physical pain, that's my alarm. And if I know how the system works, I know that when an alarm goes off, that means there's a problem where the alarm is. So I have a pain in me. I start to look inside me for the the problem and the potential solutions. And that's what the Reality Management Worksheet is about. So you can download Michael's book, Chapter 24 of his book. Other places on the website you can get entire book download. You can also download the most recent version of the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet or Worksheet process, which in a seven-step process can help me dismantle the energies that I hold in me that are actually creating the upsetting emotions that I experience, physical pains, etc. You can also download audio files of 16 different internet shows just like this one or Michael or Jeannie has stepped somebody through the entire worksheet process. Real people with real problems, and you can get different flavors and different nuances of the process with each listening. And you can also download a host of other worksheets, which all have as their goal letting me uncover the hidden traumatic energies, false beliefs, 
and perhaps even genetic energy stored in me that are less than the true nature of my true nature as the energy of love and extension of love and form. And when I do that, I remove those things that don't belong there. I have easy and direct access to my true nature, and and it, it's an experience that goes beyond words. So we encourage people in this work, in this radio show, five days a week, to use the tools to usher yourself into an experience that simply goes beyond words. It's so positive. It's so productive. It's so joyful. It's so creative. It's so loving that words don't really describe it. So we're here to help people who are interested in it learn a tool or a set of tools, apply them to themselves, and have an experience of life better than any they've had before. So that's our work. Jeannie, are you back with us? Yes, is that connection any better? So far, so good. Good, awesome. Well, we do have a hand up, and I believe this is one of our long-lost Possibility Wednesday ladies, 954. I think this is Dora. You're on the air. How are you? Well, let's see. Dora, are you there? Yeah, hey. Can you hear me now? How are uh, we can. How are you doing, lady? Doing fine. How's everybody there? Awesome. Good. Michael and I are getting ready to uh, hit the road and head to Florida. Uh, hopefully we'll be there by Monday or Tuesday. And, wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. And we're going to, we're actually settling down in a place uh, in Ellington, which is near Sarasota, Bradenton. Okay. And we'll be there writing for about six months. Other than in February, we're going to be doing intensives in Orlando. So, but aren't you coming to Unity on January 17th? Well, Unity on the Bay, yes, in Miami. So we will be there just that one day. We're doing the two services and then a Y workshop that afternoon. And oh, okay. other than that, yeah, so other than that and the... Um, Intensives in February, we don't have anything else scheduled. We're just going to sit, and Michael's going to finish the rewrite of the Why Is This Happening to Me Again, and I'm writing my book. And so we're just going to have some quiet downtime to get that done. And So anyway, hopefully we'll touch base and get to see you other than at Unity on the Bay as well. So Okay, good, good. What well, else happened I- with you? I you know, I had a hard time understanding how I could clear out my issues and other people could clear out their issues and then this would help everybody and then others would be on one day when you hit that critical mass, everybody would awaken. And I'm thinking, well, you know, this isn't fair. Then, <laughs> you know, I'm doing all this work. And then somebody, a friend pointed out, she says, Dora, you agreed to come in this lifetime to do this work. So I'm thinking now it makes sense. So if I re- I agreed that Michael agreed, Jeannie, Dr. Tim, and everybody else that does your work agreed to come in this lifetime to clear out issues to help the collective unconscious. You know, and there's other people that do non-traditional therapy. They do the same thing. So now it makes sense to me. You know, it's like this whole group said, yes, we would come in to help the planet go against battle, good and evil. 
and um, work on our issues so we could hit that critical mass and one day, hopefully in my lifetime, see everything shift to light. And it was just that is so funny, Dora. Because you must have been sitting in our support group meeting last night, because that that's is exactly hilarious, isn't it? what the conversation was. Yes. Oh my god. Go stars. for it, Michael. I mean, exactly, Michael. word for word. Okay. That's well, hilarious. You know, that was a big question that came up in the support group last night, and you know, I I offered the parable of the uh, the person who hires on to go in and work in the farmer's fields for a day and for a certain amount of pay. And he starts at eight o'clock in the morning and, you know, somebody else starts at noon and somebody else starts at three and quitting time is five o'clock and they all go to collect their pay. And the paymaster gives the guy who started at three o'clock the same money as the guy who started at eight in the morning. And he's like, you know, what, what, what am I chopped liver? I, you know, how come he's getting the same as I am? And the paymaster says, well, I gave you what I told you I'd give you. Right. Well, yes, but he's only worked for two hours. I toiled from early in the morning through the hot sun. He's like, but I gave you what I chose to, and if I choose to be abundant and generous, what business is it of yours? And then, you know, for me, I tie that into the whole idea of the the non-human mind wants to measure and get even and keep things even and, and get their share because of the basic poverty mentality. The mind of being is like the mind of the creator. It's abundant and generous, and it gives just because it gives. And because when something flows through us as beings to give, you can't run out. You can't outgive the universe. But it's the non-being mind, and that would be some good worksheet material to do around the the whole thing of things not being fair – you know, that's probably uh, going to be one of those 77 times 70 issues for people who have this particular question of, you know, the not fair game, as opposed to what if I'm tapped into an unlimited supply and could give everything that the universe needs, everything that it needs to be totally and completely in abundance and aliveness? What if I could do that? Like, Non-being wouldn't do that, but being would do it because it gets its share of everything that flows through it just because that's its nature to do. Does that make sense? Yes, mm-hmm. most definitely, most definitely. So once I grasped all that for myself, it's like, okay, I'm at peace with it all. You know, I, I would, I, I'm, I'm proud of myself for coming in and agreeing to do all this along with you and Dr. Tim and Jeannie and everybody else, that this group said, yes, we would do this. Hopefully we see it in our lifetime. You know, I don't know when things are going to just shift. But I'm even more committed now to keep doing sheets, keep doing my other work. So hopefully we speed the process up a little more. And, uh, yeah, and it's all good. You know, uh, yeah, so I'm definitely... Definitely a piece of it all now. Cool. Well, we're glad you're on the team. And the truth is, it's happened in our lifetime already. It's Mm -hmm. already happened. We're seeing people. Like, I go back 45, 50 years ago saying this kind of stuff. People looked at me like I was some kind of wacko. And now you're seeing conversations like this on television every day. You know, Oprah is having these conversations. It's become very close to the 
the big shift in critical mass, but it has already happened to a great degree. When we bring this, whenever this topic comes up, and it does come up periodically, Jeannie always with a laugh talks about a couple that we had dinner with in um, Jacksonville, Florida a couple of years ago. And um, this woman was really on it. Man, I'm going to do my work. I'm going to do it. And he sat there and repeated the whole critical mass thing. He said, well, I'm just going to wait till she does it. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> to each their own, but <laughs> it was pretty funny. No. Okay. But it is happening. Good. Okay. I okay. At that part, I, I I didn't look at. Thanks. Thanks for pointing that out. So that that it is happening. You know, I'm waiting for that. Yes. So so that's that's great. Okay. We have good. A website which we haven't activated as yet, or you know, really tapped into yet, but we've reserved it. It is called the Team That Changed the World. And so. We appreciate you being on the team that changed the world. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Okay, everybody. And we look forward to the next time we get to hug your neck. Oh, yes. Good. Well, drive safely coming into Florida, and um, look forward to seeing you soon, and everybody have a good week. All right. It's in the plan. Blessings. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye, Jeannie. Bye-bye. Bye, Dora. Good to hear from you. Yeah, it's been a while. Very cool. So our calling number is 646-200-4169. If you've got a question or a thought for us, we'd love to hear from you. If you are on the phone already, push one, put you in the phone queue. Little hand goes up. It's magic. Jeannie will know you want to talk to us and, and introduce you by your area code. So, Jeannie, have we heard from Dr. Tim yet? Is there anybody with a hand up or anything happening in the uh, chat yeah. room? Dr. Tim actually covered for me because my cell signal was crazy earlier, so he uh, jumped in there and and covered the intro, and we appreciate that. Dr. Tim, did you have a support group meeting last night? How did that go? We we did. We had our support group, and um, I was moved to listen to the audio of this radio show from parts of it from August 27th, 2014, and August 28th, 2014, where there was this intense triggering happening to me where it brought up uh, another layer of the trauma when I got beat up by bullies when I was 14. And so we listened to parts of both shows. Cool. just the parts that were relevant to my getting triggered and then my calling in talking about the worksheets and tapping I did after that. And then it was very triggering for a lot of people in the group, and we discussed it. And then at 8.30, we were basically running out of time, and I said, okay, we need to start doing worksheets because so many people were triggered. And somebody volunteered to do a worksheet, did a very powerful worksheet, and... um, we we ended up basically running long in the in the support group but again i i can't encourage people strongly enough to go back and listen to a an internet show uh of Lynn who did a worksheet that Michael has called one of the most powerful ones he's seen in all these years at that point i think he said it was 25 years of doing the process and there, there are so many good examples of how 
I have energy in me that's painful, and if I can simply train myself to quit looking outside of me and blaming others or situations outside of me for my upset, and then apply this tool of forgiveness, it's just beyond words what can happen. And we talked in the support group about how when I did this, it was August, the end of August uh, last year, I probably went back and replayed segments of both shows. I think I lost track at 12 times, and I, I probably considerably more than 12. And I would listen to them, and I would get triggered, and I would stop, and I would do the breath work, and I would do another worksheet. And the different levels of clarity that came to me all these years later from an event that I had been aware of and I had been processing and doing lots of work around for over 45 years, but the the insights I got when I just kept going after every negative thought and emotion and dismantling them were just amazing. And um, to my mind, mind-boggling. I, I, it's hard to believe that I didn't see this sooner or I didn't see that aspect sooner. So that's how we spend our our evening. And, of course, I am quite grateful for the archives and for the ability to access most of the shows. There, uh, for whatever reason, I cannot, I cannot get the show from Friday the 29th of uh, August 2014. I can't get that. It's not in the archives on Blog Talk, and so that little piece was lost. But but that's how we spend our evening. And uh, again, I just have to extend gratitude to everybody who chooses to join us there. And um, and I'm I'm just glad to have that opportunity. Well, that's um. A, a, a ditto for us to have the the access to that material is just monumental to have that technology and Tim maybe a workaround for that might be my understanding and I've never gone and dealt with it but my understanding is that all of our shows are all po- also posted on uh, iTunes I don't know how to get to it but you might look at iTunes and that show might be there and if it is maybe we can get it back and, and get it back in the queue so that uh, so that it's available. All right. I'll take a look at that. I don't know the ins and outs of doing it. And you bring up um, what for me is a really interesting point because we'll see people who will come and do one intensive and and then go away and, well, well, I already got that. Now now I understand that. Now I've, I've been there. I've done that. So I don't have any interest in doing that again. And or, you know, uh, an exposure. And I think I understand it. And I was talking to someone about this very issue this morning, um, pointed out that here's a, a set of 12 guys who spend three years full time studying with the originator of the work. And after three years, when the stress is up and the chips are down, 11 out of 12 of them deny him and run away. One of them even cursing him. 
and you get the depth that you have to go to. And I was saying to this person this morning who came and did one intensive and kind of, you know, well, now I already understand it. In fact, I'm developing to teach it myself. It's like, excuse me, three, pardon me, five to 10 years before you start getting past the surface mind. It's just what it takes. It's just the process. And the rewards of it, of course, are worth spending five, 10, 20, 50 years on. But uh, it's hard to explain to the ego mind that it has to keep chipping away and moving forward at it. So you just give a good example of, uh, of the why and how of it right on track. Well, and the, the other thing that came to mind is we were talking with Dora and the idea of the parable you cited is what resonates better with me than this tit-for-tat approach that, you know, I, I'm only going to give as much as I get and I'm not going to give until I get, etc. And I want to make sure that it's fair and all that stuff. What resonates better for me is the idea that if I'm doing it, my work, because I want to save the world, that's probably my ego functioning. You know, um, if I'm doing my work because when I do it, my moment-to-moment life experience is more joyful and more relaxed, I'm probably on track. And uh, one of the quotes from way of mastery that I really like is we must become very, very divinely selfish. And what that quote comes from uh, is, is in the context of talking about removing every excuse for being negative, vengeful, bitter, hurt, confused. And if we do that, then our then we're a better conduit for the energy of creation that's trying to express through us. And then if that leads to peace in our lifetime or it leads to the critical mass getting triggered, great. But if not, I still have a more loving, more creative, joyful experience in this moment, and this moment's the only one I get. So that would be my input on that. And of course, there's also that thing about fulfilling our purpose. You know, you do it because it's your purpose to do it. If it's about some sort of reward, then it's probably not your purpose, and you take a deeper look at purpose. One of the part of the conversation last night when we were talking about this, because it it came up a couple of. Uh, well, probably three of us, that at times, you know, not all the time, but at times um, we feel like, you know, this isn't fair or whatever, that I'm doing all the work. And that could be whether it's doing your spiritual work or doing something physical. And so a couple of things came up around that. One, I used the story that, that I use a lot in the scriptures where Yeshua was walking on water and there was this huge storm and Peter stepped out of the boat, and as long as he focused on where he was going, he walked on water too. But when he started looking at the circumstances, he began to sink. And the same storm was going on the entire time. And one of the ladies that was there, she shared that, yeah, when she just goes about her work, you know, she lives in a community, 
and when she goes about her work and doesn't pay attention to what the others are doing, that she's absolutely fine and she gets her work done and everything and, and feels good about it. But when she starts looking around and noticing that other people are slacking and not doing their work and she's doing it all, and and then she starts, her pissed off part comes up. And so we were all talking about that. And part of it also goes back to, you know, when we do the personal code evaluation, one of the things is love of self and that some of us <laughs> feel like we have to, you know, okay, this needs to be done and they're not doing it right away and it needs to be done now, so I'm just going to jump in and do it and and overdo ourselves instead of waiting and saying, okay, you know, this really needs to be done and, and maybe it requires holding somebody accountable to step up to the plate and help in the process. But uh, so part of, of being satisfied with the work we're doing is also taking care of ourself and staying focused, like you said, on our purpose and moving forward with that. For sure. We had a an event that happened a while back where somebody came and they were doing a work exchange type program and, and didn't do what they were supposed to be doing and one of the people here said well you know we'll just kind of we'll just withhold what we were doing as our end of the exchange and it's like what we're offering to people we're offering because we're offering it not because they're going to give us something in return yeah we want a fair work exchange when somebody comes to do a work exchange but it's not about getting our end we're going to give you know, to this person who wanted to withhold say no we're going to give everything we can possibly give because that's why we're here that's what we're about doing if it doesn't come back so what we're going to do it anyway because that's what we're here to do we're going to put one foot in front of the other and just carry forward and um, so i think that was a bit of a revelation for that person that instead of as you say tim tit for tat you know then we'll we'll withhold and so Creators create. Creators are abundant. They're generous. They give. Doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. It's only the non-being mind that wants to keep track and gee, am I getting enough? Or blah blah blah. Well, so it's, and, a, a and in this, it's a big one. And in this universe, where the universe itself is creation, is the extension of energy. It's only the human mind that create the sense of lack and competition. I'm reading this book, Give and Take, and the farther I get into it, the more evidence I have. On the surface, when it looks like he's categorized people in, in three categories, givers, takers, and matchers. And the people who are givers, they're just continually giving. And the people who are takers, they just take as much as they can and keep it to themselves. And the people who are matchers, they're only going to give to people who give to them. So they're very careful about making sure that all the equations are balanced. Well, the more research they do, every situation they come across where it looks like the givers are losing out, the givers' productivity is lower, or the givers give away their their abundance and they end up with less, the more they research it, the more they find out that only those people who were labeled as givers but aren't really living up to it end up losing. And the the answer to getting more productivity, getting a better reputation, getting more in abundance, having better lifestyle, having better relationships is 
the continuous giving. And a couple different caveats to make sure that you're not giving to people who are doing nothing but taking. And a couple different caveats about, now they don't say it quite this way, but it has to do with being alignment with your purpose and making sure that you're covering your own needs. Because just like we talked about, if the oxygen masks come down in the airplane, you're not supposed to cover the elderly and your children's faces first, you're supposed to put your own mask on first because if you don't have the basics of what you need to nourish you, you don't have to give. But beyond that, the people who really, and, and, and research after research is demonstrating, giving is, and abundant giving is by far the most productive path to take. the only path I'd offer that reflects actual human life. And so actual human life is abundant and generous because that's what it is. And, you know, it's it's actually the dawn being mind that's made up this give-and-take world. We don't live in a give-and-take world. We live in a give-and-receive world. And people who have the equation in their mind of give-and-take can't elevate or have difficulty elevating to it's a give and receive world and that the equation is just natural natural when we're living in that state of human life as true human beings any other thoughts for you tim well just agreement and you know the the whole when i can move into giving because i know that's why i'm here and and having that faith which you know dale allen hoffman would tell us from the ancient aramaic one of the definitions for faith is acting from the rooted center of my being. And so when I'm acting from that space, I have no concern for whether or not someone reciprocates because I've already performed the function I'm here to perform. I don't know how to say it any better than that. I'll just leave it at that. On track, I think that says it all is right on track. And when we truly live as human beings, and and there's, I actually had a phone call this morning from someone who was asking the question about, you know, why love, why, why use that as your foundation? And my offering is the reason to use that as a foundation is because it's who we are, and. You know, we've asked the question of tens of tens of thousands of people around the globe about the holding of a newborn child. We had a, a new person we were meeting with uh, yesterday morning here, and someone who's been through quite a bit of trauma. And and I asked the question about, do you have any children? Well, yes. Do you remember the first time that you held your newborn? And a face that 
wasn't unhappy, but wasn't overly happy looking, just broke out into a smile, which is virtually what everyone does who's ever held a newborn. And for those who haven't and can't relate to that, there are places, orphanages and such, where you'll be welcomed to go in and hold and nurture uh, small children. So if you haven't had the experience, go create it because it's absolutely awesome. And everybody's answer, it doesn't matter where on the globe we've asked the question, it doesn't matter what culture it is, everybody describes their newborns with some word that represents love. I think that makes it a fairly safe assumption to recognize that that's the stuff we're made of. And a world has developed where its specialty is to put thumbprints on us so as quickly as possible we forget that and lose the capacity to live in that. And all the rages and guilts and griefs and pains and dramas and traumas. And I'm, I'm surprised over the years by how many people when I ask that question, cannot find a definition in them or an experience of love. They're just like, I don't know what you're talking about. And my offering is, please, find an orphanage that will welcome you to go and be with a newborn. It's absolutely unbelievably powerful to get back. If you've been ripped off for the experience of yourself, as functioning out of fully conscious, active, present, cellular love, then do something in your life that will take you into creating that experience. Because it's hard to make it up out of a mind that's lived in grief and rage and fear and pain and trauma and drama and addiction and all the things that go hand in hand with that. Then, once you have that experience, let that become the highlight that moves you toward establishing that as a permanent condition within your own physiology. It's the only thing that will ever make you happy. It's the only thing that will ever fulfill you. I mean, the world has its thing of, you know, well, we'll go out and get a million dollars, then I'll be happy. How many unhappy millionaires have you heard of or seen? You know, the world is filled with them. There is no thing that can fulfill anyone. What will fulfill everyone is returning to the direct physiological experience of the presence of love in every cell of their structure. And that will, I've, I've, I've over the years, you know, with a still point breathing process, a lot of people directly tap into that physical presence of love. And invariably, when there are people who've got a history of drugs, they're like, man, I never ran into any drug that was as good as this one. And there's nothing that can even start to compare to that experience. And so when you make that, and, and I'll just offer that, if you don't have that in your experience yet, that invites you to intellectually accept that as a premise and then go check it out for yourself and see what happens. And when that awesome active presence of love is reawakened in you, you started out there, then your work will begin and the work will be that of removing every hostility, fear, grief, rage, drama, trauma 
that's ever happened to you or to anybody in your bloodline. That's the real work. And that's what we're here to support and bring forward in the world. You know, in all the years, I I consider most uh, political activity to be criminal activity. You know, the day that one man or woman tells other men and women that they know how to run their lives better than they do, than the individual does, there has to be a fraud involved to convince somebody of that. But there's been one voice in Washington that has consistently, rationally, and reasonably told the truth about how the game is played. And I believe the reason he was able to do that is because he was an obstetrician and personally, with his own hands, delivered over 3,000 babies. Having had the experience when I had the blessing of getting to catch my son at his birth and my daughter at her birth, the power of the presence of love in that space, beyond any words I can possibly explain it with. The transformation from that experience is beyond anything I can start to describe. Now, if we tend to lose it in the din of the day-to-day noise of the world of hostility and fear. But that's the transforming power. And the reason why this one gentleman, Ron Paul, has had, a, I believe, a sane voice in Washington, one of the few, and actually speaks for running a country based on the Constitution that it's founded on, is because he delivered, or he caught, he was involved in, the, the entry into a human form of direct, active, present love, a human being, over 3,000 times. Try it, you'll like it. Most amazing thing, most amazing thing. And so the foundation of this work is to return to that experience and to let everything else go. Because when you recognize that we construct the world that we see, we either construct it out of content based in hostility or fear, or we construct it out of the presence of love. If we can see out of the presence of love, we are going to see and interact much differently in the world and in our own bodies than we are if we allow our minds with their historical hostilities and fears to hallucinate a world that exists only within us but have us believe that it's actually out there. Everything that needs to be healed is in here. It's inside. And it is healed by the conscious active presence of love. You know, there's a story I've told several times and it seems appropriate to uh, to plug it in here. Several years ago, there was a uh, unity center up in Mayreda, Georgia that I spoke at, you know, just about every year. And I went to speak and on Sunday morning, I'm heading up to, uh, to do their first uh, service. And a young woman, probably in her mid-30s or so, walks up to me and says, Michael, I, I want to thank you for saving my life. And it was like, well, uh, well, wait a minute. I just got into town late last night. It wasn't me. <laughs> and she said, well, let me share what happened. She said, last year, I was here for your whole week-long series. And every once in a while, I'd hear your voice ring in my head saying, conscious, active, present love. 
conscious act of present love. Conscious act. She'd say, I just hear that every once in a while. She said, about six months ago, I got home from work, went into my apartment, locked the door, and found myself locked in my apartment with a man who had a knife. He held the knife to my throat, began to strip me, and told me he was going to kill me and rape me. And he was in the act of raping me. And she said, I was absolutely terrified and knowing I was about to die. And she said, all of a sudden, Michael, your voice rang in my head, conscious act of present love. And it, she said it was like it flipped a switch. And I went into that space. And she said, when I did, I looked in this man's eyes. Here's this man on top of me. And she said, all I could see in his face was stark raving terror. And I went into total compassion for him. This is the minute my gaze turned to that of compassion. He began to cry, got up off of me, dropped his knife, and ran out of my apartment. Why do you want to live as conscious act of present love? Because that's the power of it. That's what it will do. Now, the world has not engaged in what it takes to do that, so the world goes... Oh, get out of here. That's not going to, you're silly. That's, oh yeah, well that's nice. But man, when you're in trouble, you want to have the best hammer you can have. Well, I beg to differ with you. There was a man 2,000 years ago who said, here's how you're going to heal the world. You will learn to be the presence of love for those who hate you. And you will do good to those who despitefully use you. Now that seems like pretty idiotic advice when you really think about it in the way the world thinks. But when you realize that if you live as the presence of love in the presence of your enemy, your physiology is going to be filled with love. You're the winner. And when you reach through your own energy field to offer something good to the person you call the enemy, the person you think you should be withholding from, you get to pass that very gift that you're giving through your field and you get to receive it. The whole game is done with smoke and mirrors. And so that's why we set as our goalpost living as the presence of love and being able to forgive less than that that's in us. And that's what we're here to do. That resonate your brain cells, Tim? Well, I've heard that story from you a number of times and yes, it just resonates you know so many times in my life where even before I met you and I wasn't aware of the idea of conscious active present love but I was aware of when I stay calm I mean I I think I've mentioned on the internet show before that I was raised in a family where whether I ever heard it said or not as a young adult when a situation would come up where there was some kind of a crisis or an action needed and people were starting to scream or panic, what went off in my head was what I learned from my parents, and that was this is way too important to panic about. 
So in staying calm or in what you're talking about in maintaining that conscious active present love, I've got access to the best stuff that my mind and the higher powers that gave rise to my being can give me in the moment. And that's where I get the best results. And it's all it's ever been thus. Absolutely. I'm in 2,000% agreement on that one. Definitely the key. Michael? And so our, yes, sweetie? Okay. Uh, we do have a caller, but there was a question that was asked of me um, at the very beginning of the show in the chat room, okay. and I told her I would address it online. She wanted to know what else I discovered in doing my wake-up sheets. And I said, just a deeper dive into one, unworthy or unimportant, two, clutter and not being able to breathe or that there's space for me, and three, the desire for my dad's attention. And she wanted to know where the unworthiness came from. And so, if I may, the easiest way to do it, I had written a paper uh, when I took went back to college in one of my psych classes. And it's based on Eric Erickson um, and the psychological development of a person. And I could see how it fit with their work and how it developed. So I'm just going to read some bits and pieces of that. And I think that will give a good explanation. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So I said, in my present work, I reference a newborn as pure being or pure love. And I see the world, whether it's our culture, family, or friends, putting expectations on the child, and the child begins to think that they are not enough and that they have to do something more to receive approval. Approval and love become intermingled, and the true meaning of each one vanishes. We all have gone through this, moving from the stage one, which is what um, I call being, to the next stage of non-being, and often a person gets lost in their non-being state. Some people... Hold on, my computer's trying to do something crazy here. Um, Some people um, never experience their true self again. My passion is to assist others and myself to use different methods to move back to being. This is very much in alignment with Eric Erickson's stages of development. He lists nine distinct stages. I'm not going to go through each one of them, but... As I reflect back over my own development, I can relate to Erickson's descriptions of life, uh, the events and their conflicts. I don't remember a whole lot before the age of three. Therefore, I'm going to combine stages one and two together. I recall a time when I felt that I was not loved the same as my older brother and began to mistrust the adults in my life. It is here that I moved from the state of knowing to making a judgment that my love was not being mirrored back to me, and I questioned myself. I did not trust myself or my parents, and this feeling of not being enough catapulted me into becoming a very independent child. I became what I call a human doer instead of a human being. Since I didn't resolve that trust issue, I can see where that mistrust then followed me through the next stages of life, and although I was successful in being self-sufficient, I still felt a sense of doubt in my accomplishments. My life was emotional and automatic, not linear or logical. I progressed into the next stage. I was extremely successful in school and the academic demands. I was on honor roll and one of the best students in class, and yet, once again, 
I had feelings of inferiority. Puberty came early to me, uh, actually prior to my adolescent years, and so when I moved into the next stage of life, I was full of confusion about my self-worth. I desperately wanted relationship, um, but at least in my opinion, one obstacle was that my parents didn't allow me to participate in a lot of activities, such as movies and and dances and other things that teens enjoyed. I could not wear makeup and my clothes were handmade. I now see accurately and realize that I was really well liked by my peers, but I felt like I was different in so many ways and this resulted in a decreased vision and I lost sight of my own purpose and I locked on to the first guy that showed me any attention and I got married at the age of 16 and left home. You've heard the saying, out of the frying pan and into the fire. That was my life between this stage and the next. My young adulthood was a roller coaster of both intimacy and isolation in trying to find that one relationship that my soul longed for. I wanted someone to love me and approve of me. I was married and had many things happening in my life outside of school. However, I still graduated in the top 10% of my class, which is a great accomplishment, and yet I felt so isolated and so incomplete. I didn't realize that it was residue from losing my being at stage two and forgetting my purpose at stage five. And it just goes on. But anyway, that is the foundation of where that unworthiness comes from. And it's self-made. I mean, now some people truly have experiences of, you know, their parents or their family mistreating them or, or really feeling rejected. That was not my case. Our family was always one that, like, before you went out the door or went to bed, you hugged everybody in the whole household and told them you loved them and, you know, whatever. And I can see even the incident that I referred to where I felt like my brother was loved more. He had lost a tooth, and the tooth fairy had left him a quarter. And, of course, this was many years ago, and a quarter would buy you, like, a whole sack of candy. And so he had given my mom his quarter and ask her to buy him some candy and bring it back when she come back from work. She didn't want me to feel left out, so she bought me a couple of pieces and gave them to me. Well, in my child's mind, he had this whole bag full and I only had like two or three pieces. And so there was no way that she could explain to my child's mind that he had paid for his. I didn't pay anything for mine. And that she was being more than fair because she didn't, you know, give him anything extra. But it was just like, I don't know. In in that child's space, I couldn't see anything else. And from that point forward, it was total um, competition to be enough. Just We're breathing. breathing with you, sweetie. We're breathing with you. And all of it's untrue. It was just made up in my own head. And so the, the key would be to be aware and that's, you know, that sounds like one of your 77 times 70 worksheets so that you only function out of truth and you love truth enough to always see the truth, 
rather than functioning out of something that isn't true but made up in your head. That's a that's a big piece of work and uh, a lot of courage to share it with everybody. It's awesome. Thank thank you. And I hope that answered the question. And we're down to sixty seconds, so we're going to have to close out the show. So you want okay, to okay? Well, well, thank you, Doctor Tim Jeannie. That's awesome. Thank you. Anybody who's ready to take your work to the next level, we have two intensives in Florida. If you want to get away from winter, February 1st to the uh, 9th, we're going to do a nine-day codependence to interdependence communication practicum. That workshop will also extend out to those who want to stay for a full 16 days. And then we'll step into a 16-day laws of living. So if you're ready to take your work to the next level, take a look on the website, communicate with us, and get registered. There's room for 12 people in each of those intensives. They're going to be limited, so they'll be very personal and uh, very uh, personally centered. So join us. Look at next summer for the schedule. Create the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift. Send the MP3 of this to somebody. They'll love it. Blessings. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Wright and his wife, Jeannie, who present the internal Aramaic process of forgiveness. Michael and Jeannie are here every Monday through Friday on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. That's www.whyagain.com. A-I-N-D-O-T-C-O-M. Evolving continuously.